Welcome to the Messy Progress Podcast, the show that will give you the courage and confidence to get messy, uncaged, and liberated so that you're living your most vibrant life. I'm your host, Adrian Smith, and I'm so stoked that you're here. Let's jump right in. In this episode, we get some sage advice from entrepreneur, lifelong open water swimmer, and coach Jerry Rodriguez. Jerry grew up in the country of Trinidad, where work ethic trumped sunbathing on the beach. That ethos landed him at the start line of open water swim races at the young age of 12, where he completed in a three-mile open water swim, fast as hell, I might admit, and swam 10,000 meters in two hours later that year. He topped it off by graduating when he was older with a business degree from Pepperdine. Jerry is a legend in the sport of swimming and triathlon, not only in Southern California, where he birthed the famous Tower 26 open water swim and triathlon training program, but also globally with customers in 31 countries and 100 plus episodes on a podcast surpassing 2 million downloads. He co-founded WOWSA, the World Open Water Swimming Association, has both owned and published several swimming magazines, is the author of the book Triathlon Swimming, and has received the well-deserved honor of U.S. Masters Swimming Coach of the Year. Jerry and his wife, Elizabeth, own the Santa Barbara Triathlon and Beach Festival. Grandpa Jerry, as my daughter calls him, is also a dad to two amazing young adults, is a mentor to many athletes and coaches, including my husband, and has become a close friend of our family. In this episode, you'll learn a lot of things, including the magic of determining your value in the marketplace, establishing your worth as a business owner, facing your fears in open water, creating a relationship with your staff, avoiding turnover and attrition in any business, setting up group workouts so everyone wins, and creating a community through consistency. Let's jump right in. What up? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. So what's 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 going on in your world today? I like to start with like um what we do when, when we did our row. We started every day with a physical check-in, emotional, and then any right. sort of thing that you need to clear so that you can fully be here. So let's tell well, me. Yeah. Well, Mondays are, you know. It's the same. It seems feels to me like it's the same for everybody. It's you, you know you punch the button and it's Monday. Get the week started. Get everything going. So I always feel like I roll into Monday morning with a long list of things to get done. So I, I like Mondays because I'm about action. Yeah. Well, what did, what was the weekend for you? Oh, we had an easy weekend, which was great. Uh, Elizabeth, my wife, had um, she had a friend of hers, ours, but mainly a friend of hers and her significant other come up for the weekend. Uh, so it was good to spend Saturday evening with them. Yeah, this guy and his wife, who's having a baby, actually, in a few months, they stopped in yesterday afternoon, and we're here till like 11 o'clock last night. So All right. Great. Okay. Coached them for a few years. In fact, you probably know them. Well, she raced uh, Kona several times, top 10 finisher at uh, Female Pro in Kona a number of times. Okay. Barry Lester is her name. Name sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, these superstar athletes. Yeah. You know, it's funny because like I did, I think I raced pro for like two years and I just always felt like I was separate from like I was, you know, I went from winning age group to like the bottom of pro list and like always was like felt like this interesting kind of uh, teenage feeling of or junior high feeling of like I just want, I want to belong. I like want, I want people like invite me to sit at the table with them at lunch, you know? And then it was just like, it kind of felt like everyone was in their own world. So it was very different to go from like triathlon as a sport of how I was introduced to it. I'll share this story is um, my first race that I ever did was a sprint triathlon and like, it was at Lake Michigan and Chicago area. And I was new to swimming. So that was my weak link, which, you know, we'll talk about how that's probably very familiar to most. And I was like ready, you know, not like to win, but just like to have fun. I wanted to start in the front and I open water swam a little bit, you know, it was cold enough to wear a wetsuit. And I, you know, ran in the water, started to swim and just was like, I can't put my head in the water. Right. And, um, and then I, 
pulled my head out and I tried again, same thing. I was just like kind of hyperventilating, but not because I was in oxygen debt, more of a panic mode. And mm-hmm. so I was like, well, looks like this is going to be a long swim. Just doggy paddled it. Cause it was like 700, it was a legit sprint, like 750 meters. And right. I was like, I just got to get to land. I just got to get to land. I'm so more, yep. so much more familiar. Just, just got to get to my bike. Yeah. yeah norm, normal feeling. And it, it's the norm. It's, that's what many folks go through, especially if the water is slightly colder, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, nothing unusual there. It's not easy. Have you ever panicked in the water? I don't know if I've ever panicked. I've, I've had a few run-ins in open water where they were, you know, you, you're swimming alone and something goes by beneath you or you think you see something and you get startled. So I wear these shark bands, believe it or not. They're these little... Oh, you do. Yeah, I know that you, Yeah, I wear one on my ankle and one on my wrist. And for anything, for the most part, it gives me some peace of mind. It also gives my wife and kids a peace of mind. So that's helpful. I swam into an oil slick one time. Uh, there was one of the, well, at that time, it was the largest oil slick in the world. And we were out training one morning and I was at the front of the pack and literally swam into oil. I mean, just oil that was, you know, yeah, exactly. That was gross. So what'd you so, do? Did you keep swimming or did you turn around? Oh, no, you can't. You, you, you are in thick. You cannot move. Okay. <laughs> I was covered to from my head to probably to waist or so. So I had to sort of wade to the shoreline as a kid and then walk along these rocks to back to my dad and the coach. Stop the, the, the guys behind me so they didn't swim into it. And then I remember getting in the car and my dad putting a towel in the back seat and say, just sit right there, don't move because you're just covered in oil. And then going home and taking a shower in turpentine and trying to get, yes, exactly. Trying you didn't to get, use Dawn dish soap like they say on the commercials with well, the ducks this is, that, you know, get covered in this. Well, it might've been better. I mean, this is, gosh, 30, 40 years ago, more than that, 45 years ago. So anyway, it took forever to get all this oil out of your hair. And I don't think I, I didn't go to school that day because you smelled. I mean, it was pretty bad. So I don't know if I was fearful, but it was an unusual experience for sure. Yeah. Did you, have you ever had anything happen in the water that was self-produced? So like the other things, and and by, I say this because the oil was not self-produced. It showed up and you were then in right. the situation you had to do something about the, the thought of some animal swimming underneath you or alongside of you that really happens, but then the panic or the nervousness or anxiousness that comes up is then self-produced. But have you had anything that was like not an outside thing that all of a sudden was just worry, doubt, fear, anxiety that just came over you from nothing happening? My anxieties in open water, which still exist, by the way, from the time I started swimming in the ocean when I was 10 years old to now, it's, it's mainly the, the fear of, of, of sea creatures, large ones, like, every, like some other people have, sharks. Uh, and um, I don't like to see the bottom, unless it's pristine, clear, like swimming in you know, uh, Hawaii or something like that, the Caribbean. But I don't like like swimming in the Pacific. It's not completely clear, so you 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 see shadows. So that's always disturbing to me. Um, so I don't like that. So I'm, I always have a little bit of anxiety, and I, I've learned to to quell that and calm down from it. But it's my it's my thing. Mm-hmm. So you coach a and lot of athletes. It's my normal. Yeah. Yeah. So you coach a lot of people. You're like. I want to know the story of like the first Tower 26 meetup in the water and who like not who was there as in like name dropping who was there, but like how many people were there? How did it get created? Like there's a lot of people that are probably going to swim with a group for the first time because I'm I'm not going to go and swim in the Pacific Ocean. I'm I'm an okay swimmer, but I'm not going to go swim in the ocean by myself. So that like group dynamic that you've created, what was that first meetup like? So the first one was way before Tower 26, but regarding Tower 26, that was probably, so I started Tower 26 in 2008 or nine. And um, you didn't probably use social media because that's when things were just starting. Right, exactly. And uh, there was a need, as, as, and you mentioned it in triathlon, the, the, the sport itself has many beginners, right? And they don't have the experience, the expertise. I found that the, the media, the triathlon media, there was some amount of social 
you, you could go online to find articles by the publications. You can find coaches or even athletes giving advice on what to do. But I found much of that advice to be ill-advised. And, and a lot of that has to do with the inexperience of, of coaches and then the inexperience of what should be done in open water. So I decided to create Tower 26 and coach triathletes specifically because the biggest obstacle is the swim. We've all learned to ride bikes as little kids and we can all run generally, right? But swimming was the obstacle. So my area of expertise at that point, I'd been, you know, I'd, been, I'd raced for over 40 years, coached for whatever, 30 years by that point. So I felt it was necessary to share that information, provide good quality content for people to follow. So by the time we ran, put on, I put on the first Tower 26 beach workout in Santa Monica, they may have been 15 or 20 people, but Adrian, within a year, so we would run these sessions in the summertime from May through October. By year two, year two to year three, we're, we had over 300 people showing up at the beach on a Wednesday morning at 6 a.m which is obscene when you think about it. Yeah, people have to go to work, right? Uh, but it became a thing. And now on any given day at that particular location, Tower 26 in Santa Monica, any given day, there's some triathlon group or group of athletes getting together Monday through Sunday or Sunday through Saturday, swimming together, working out together, being coached, whatever it may be. Um, so it's it's become a, a norm, right? And, yeah. Um, and we do it professionally. I mean, we're the only ones, to my knowledge, that charge for the service. Everyone else does it free. So it, it caught on. Other coaches started doing it. It was a way to also then probably to try to compete with us. And they offer the services free. But like anything else, you, you give something free, you get free, right? You get right. That quality comes along with free. Um, hmm. So. Yes. So those first groups like that, that, you know, you saying like giving quality coaching, giving quality um, information coming from your 40 years of experience swimming in open water and 30 years or more coaching athletes is, you know, going back to that talk about the things that you said, you know, you have anxieties that come up in the water and you've learned how to follow those is like, what's, what's that process like for you? I feel like the, the reason I ask this, because you kind of like, it's, it's easy for you and me. I think we do it so naturally that we don't even know that there's a process. And right. I think that, um, the, one of the things that comes from, and you've said this to me is like years and years of experience is there's something to be shared in that experience of, but we don't even realize that we we know how to do it just naturally. So what's that like? Do you have like a process that if you walk yourself through it so that you walk yourself off the ledge of going into a panic mode because you've done this hundreds of times? Right. So you have to have that process and it has to be uh, for the size of operation that we run. It has to be scalable and it has to be consistent. So specifically when we did those Wednesday morning swims, they start at a particular time. I'm a pretty big stickler about being on time. So we, it, if a session starts at 6 a.m., guess what? It starts at 6 a.m. It doesn't start at 6.05 or whatever it may be. So everyone knows to be there at 6 o'clock. And we have a, a, a very um, specific way that we go through the session. And it starts off after a short jog. Everybody re-meets at the lifeguard tower. And then I go through about a 10, it could be as much as 15 minutes at times, an educational talk. And we start with safety and then we go through the issues of the day. And the reason we start with safety is because I talk about the conditions of the day. It could be overcast. It could be clear skies. It could be windy. It could be choppy. It could be pristine. It could look like a swimming pool that day and beautiful and flat. But my job is to educate because many folks that are coming in are beginners. They're doing this for the first time. Anxiety is normal. In fact, anxiety is our savior. It's our internal bell to help us and uh, to let us know, to warn us that, you know, for, to, to, we want to survive. It's our survival mechanism. So this is a normal thing. So my job is to teach how do we move from anxiety or fear to familiarity, right? I call it the three Fs. We move from fear to familiarity through frequency, which is repetition. So you have to show up every week. You have to be very frequent and you have to do it with consistency over a long period of time. And because it, you're with a group, 
when we set up the groups in a way that of equal ability, so you're swimming with a group of folks of your speed, your experience, so you're not with somebody faster where they're going to leave you. So you have folks around you. Within that group, we also have captains, those who may not be very fast, but they've been doing it for a while. So they have a different color swim cap on. So you know that it's like this here, our caps are yellow color, but our leaders always have blue color caps. So you know in a, in a subgroup, because we take all the participants and we divide them into subgroups based on ability. So let's just call it one through four. Group one being uh, the Jason and Adrian Smiths of the world, the, the super good athletes. Group two, uh, budding to become like you. Group three, beginner, intermediate. Group four, beginners, absolutely. But in each of those groups, there are folks in blue caps. Those are our team leaders. So when I give the instructions for a circuit or a course, and we don't do swims much longer than about eight minutes at a time, 10 minutes typically at the longest. So they're shorter swims that practice a number of skills, but you're doing it with others. And if there's an issue, you're taught to stop, raise your hand, the blue cap person will come find you. So we've set up these buddy systems for that reason of safety, security, anxiety. And then, but I talk about all of this before. So there's a plan going in. So if somebody has difficulty, they know, you know what, I have a safety valve here. And also, you know, we have a permit for this. So there's a lifeguard on, on duty overlooking. And the lifeguard's normally standing right next to me because I run these sessions from the beach. I'm not participating in, in them. I'm the coach uh, on the stand running the session. So it's taking someone from the beginning, beginning steps, going all the way through all the steps and all the things that are going to occur like you talked about your experience with the, the wetsuit and, and being anxious and having to stop and tightness in your chest and having to swim breaststroke. That's normal. So we let the members know this is what can happen. I may very well happen. So here's what to do next. You know, and also a big part of anxiety, especially with swimming, is it's the only sport, one of the very, very few, but it, relative to biking and running, where you're unclothed. So you're completely uncloaked, okay? Uh, especially at a swimming pool. At the beach, uh, many folks have wetsuits on. But if you just go to a swimming pool, you're in your swimsuit. Guys tend to care less about that. Girls can tend to be more, or females can tend to be a little bit more self-conscious. So it's the leader's role, the coach's job, my role to create quick equality and create a, an environment of where that discomfort is relieved quickly. Um, and I normally create buddy systems immediately. I would, if you came in for the first time to swim with us, and I sensed that you would immediately be introduced to Joni in your swim lane with you, and Joni is going to be in charge of you. I'll be running the workout if it's at a swimming pool, but you already have a buddy, a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. If it's a guy, yeah, and what I, I hear I, in this is like it's like a structure. There's a structure that then can give people the ability to relax. Right. Because and also, you don't know how it's at any given moment in time. You, like we talked about when we first started is like, who, who am I going to be with? And like that can be one of the biggest reasons why people might not show up to something is like, I don't know where to go. Do I wear clothes? How do we warm up? What's the thing? Right. And you don't typically die, right? Um, or have no, the, you the don't. Thoughts of dying, running or riding. But in swimming, there is that innate anxiety that I can drown. That's a normal built-in self-safety mechanism. So we take all of that into consideration to make you feel comfortable. But anxiety is normal, especially in this one. Now it's a matter of how to, how to create familiarity with it and overcome, help overcome. Yeah. And then you used that you said that you went from fear to famil familiarity with frequency being the middle part. So I went back and listened to, I think one of your guys' first Tower 26 Race Ready podcasts, and this might be completely outdated. So you can tell me if I'm incorrect or not. But one of the things that I experienced with, you know, having done lots of triathlons and then owning a yoga studio, having people come in for like a trial period is there's like this desire for results really quickly. And the reality is, is if you haven't been doing something for very long, it's going to take a while to get the result. You might get quick results. That's at least what happened to me in triathlon was like very quick gains. And then I plateaued out and it was very marginal from that point on. But you, you talk specifically about this five-step process and how it's, it's setting people up for the long haul versus this, you have a race in a month. 
and you're expecting to go from, I don't know, you're not going to go from running a 10 minute mile to running a seven minute mile in a matter of a month. So it's like, walk me through that five, if it's, if I'm still accurate on this process. Well, so this is really a life process, right? This sport happens to be just a training ground for it. There, there are very few zero to heroes. Okay. Every so often uh, a musician comes around and, and they get a number one hit and that's you zero to hero. But generally most of us, uh, Joe and Jenny, normal folks go through a long process before success comes. Yes. Of course, there are athletes who show up and they want instant results. I call that the instant society, but pretty much if any one of us went to whether it's my age or your age or age younger. And you, I always come back. If you go ask your grandma or your grandpa what it takes for success, they'll, everyone has pretty much the same answer. It's going to take a while and you have to plan and you're going to have some failings along the way. And they'll tell you the Thomas Edison story and it's 10,000 light bulbs later. And so we all know it's generally a long process. So as coaches, we have to reinforce that process. There are still some athletes who's, will call us up and we get this call actually every single year in the month of august right before september the malibu triathlon and they want to come join us and my answer is the same or whoever takes our inbound calls right now it's the same great love to have you to get you ready for next year's race because there's not there's very little we can do in 30 days to get you to, to to help you garner the results that you're telling us you want within 30 days. And especially if someone can't swim really well, and we have a safety issue in our hands, right? So I have a responsibility to, if you came in, to your husband, your your daughter, your family, for your well-being. So I think we have a sense of responsibility as coaches. So long-winded, yes, there's a definitive process on our coaching methodology has five steps to our season. And that's based on when I wrote our season plan as to what I think a successful triathlon training season needs to look like. And you can't expect success like many athletes have been taught in triathlon. It's one of the few sports where you have these sort of, well, I was not exactly the only sport. Running did this. Runner's World did this. They started putting out these 10 and 12-week training plans for a 5K, a 10K, or a marathon. That's fine for a reasonably seasoned athlete. You for instance, Jason can go on a 12-week training plan because you have tremendous athletic foundation. Most folks can't if they want to run a marathon or a half marathon. They need a much longer platform. And especially somebody if they want to stay in the sport and have longevity where the sport becomes a lifestyle, right? It's part of your what you want to do and make it ingrained in your life and balance it out with your family and your career. So you have to have a- Well, and also just to not get injured, right? To- Exactly. For longevity's sake, it's like I want to do this for longevity, so that my body has the ability to do this ten years from now. Should I want to, I'm not going to just break down next next year. Right. So, so the, this whole notion of instant success is not the case. We have to dispel that, and you know, our training methodology has these five steps that we go through that takes up an entire year. And typically, you're going to have to go through this several times to to get great success. So, you know, we get calls. You know, at one time, we were the who's who to go to for, you know, triathlon swimming, especially all the pros and all the names. And they'd call up and the answer was the same. This is going to take a few years, especially if you have no swimming background. So if Adrian Smith called up uh, back when, when you said you were now getting into triathlon, you didn't have a swimming background. The reality is if you want to eventually be in the second pack or at the tail end of the front pack, it's not going to happen in one season. You, you might be the one in a thousand where it does, but it's unlikely. It's going to take two or three years for that to, for that to occur. I'm just a realist. Well, and it's, the things people don't see, people don't see that work. The, the Like what you said about, you know, if you ask your grandma or grandpa, they're like, it's going to be a lot of failures. It's 10,000 hours. It's like, right. I can still think back to the, first time that I went into the export fitness and I put on my goggles and I was like, I'm going to swim some laps and I swam 25. And that was like, God, I was 26 maybe. And I swam 25 meters and I felt like I was going to die. And then it was, then there's this lady that's in the pool. She's in the pool next to me and she's like extremely overweight. She's just crushing it, swimming laps back and forth. And I'm sitting there and I'm comparing myself to this woman thinking that I'm in really good shape and she is crushing it. But I just don't know 
how to swim. I, I looked at one of the things you had a podcast, I think at one point in time, someone effortless swimming. And I was like, well, that's an oxymoron. Like back then it was because in the same way that people will talk about running, like, how do you run and talk at the same time? Like, well, I've been doing it since I was, I don't know, eight. So it's right. a little easier for me. That's, that's like my ease, but swimming to make it effortless, like that lady in the lane next to me, I didn't chat with her, but I just judged myself compared to her. And I was like, well, I should yeah. be able to be as good as her on my first one. And the reality is she'd been probably doing it for a while. Well, and those swimmers like that lady in your example, or uh, the, the, the runners that make it look so effortless. And that's, you know, that word's taken to and used as an adjective to describe by marketers of their, their, their programs, mm-hmm. uh, effortless swimming, effortless running, whatever it may be. Those are your fluid athletes, okay? I mean, you look at really elite swimmers, runners, bikers. They just look beautiful because there's an elegance to to their mechanics. And you would look at them and you think, yeah, I could run next to them. And then you go run next to them and you realize, yeah, I can do that for about 30 yards. And then they'll continue along at their 440-mile pace. You know, your super elite men runners or your 510, uh, 515 female marathon run pace. I mean, it's how long are you going to hang on for? Not very long, but they just look very elegant because they're they're very good at it. It just takes time. I mean, nothing, nothing in life comes quickly, right? We just have to have patience and be realistic. And our job as coaches, you as a a teacher for your yoga, yoga studio is to help your, your students, your members, uh, carry them along on the journey and help you realistic. You're their mentor also, right? One thing I learned from you, Jerry, you shared with me about um, one of the ways that you price your um, coaching programs with Tower 26 is that you do it in bigger chunks. So like, I I might get this wrong, it might have changed, but it's like people pay for three months at a time. And then, and and I, I might be wrong in this, but it's like they're paying for longer periods of time and they don't get um, to put their membership on hold because to use your words, you're like, you don't get to put your mortgage on hold. You keep doing the work or tell me more about that. Like, how did you decide to go that route? Well, so by the time somebody ends up wanting to come to our program, they've heard about us. So I'm not, it's not something I would recommend to somebody starting new that doesn't have a reputation in the industry because somebody might say, well, I want to try before I buy type thing. So it's, it would be normal to have a trial period of some, you know, some duration, whether it's a, a session, several sessions, two weeks, whatever it may be. But after that, once you're engaged, if somebody really wants success, because it's my time, right? And my staff and what I don't want, and we have limited space. So we have X number of lanes in a swimming pool and a lot of demand for our attention. I don't particularly want somebody in there that's just going to be there for three weeks and then they're gone. It's I want more committed folks. So the people that we're giving. So, so someone is not taking attention, my attention away from people who really want to be there. So the mm-hmm. one way to, to, to easily, you know, weed those out would be to have a longer time frame for commitment. So I didn't offer any, I used to, but I went to quarterly, a quarterly fee system, pay for three months at a time or a year. You get a discount for yeah, it. And then you get the people that are really committed. Right. And regarding the, the portion of, of, um, uh, putting memberships on hold. Of course, there are exceptions. You know, somebody gets in a, a car accident that's something serious and real medical issues. But generally, sometimes people, are, I'm going on vacation for a week and want to put a membership on hold. Well, that doesn't happen uh, as the example you said with your mortgage. You don't call up the bank and say, hey, uh, can I not pay my mortgage this week because I'm going to Hawaii? Or your landlord, can I not pay my rent this week? No, it doesn't work that way. And the gym doesn't put your membership on hold. But I think that's come about from once we're really impassioned with something, we're so into it, we, we're going to miss it a lot. And some folks feel like, well, I don't want to pay while I'm missing it. But you, you lay all of those regulations, all those rules or guidelines right up front so people know. And it's part, I mean, and you give a discounted price for a quarter. So it's, it's built in. The price is built in with somebody that's going to miss a few days or a week for vacation. It's already in the price. But I love that you said it. it's the same thing that you were talking about with the the swimming at the ocean or the swimming in the lanes is there's a, you're sharing this information up front. There's like a structure and a a reason why you do this in the beginning so that it creates the freedom for someone to then like, I guess, let go a little bit of when they do go for, they're gone for a week, which, you know, hopefully. 
hopefully people travel for a week and get out of Dodge for a minute is um, you're not feeling like, oh my gosh, there's that part like, oh, I'm missing my thing. But what with your program, I've gotten a chance to, I, I haven't done it myself. And I'm looking forward to the day that all these workouts begin to start in Santa Barbara. Um, but you do offer the virtual options for like the, the Zwift rides and tell, say more about like, what's your, what's your plans? What's your hopes and desires for um, coming with this next chapter in Santa Barbara? Well, Santa Barbara is such as you know, it's this. Santa Barbara reminds me a little bit of Boulder and a little bit of San Diego. Very, very athletic. Not that Los Angeles, where we lived for a number of years, is not athletic, but the town's vibrant, right? And in any given day, or especially on weekends, everyone's out riding their bikes, they're running, they're on the beach, they're playing volleyball. Super active town, so it's really good to see. There's a lovely sort of a, a bit of a sleepy feel to Santa Barbara, which makes it very, very sweet. And with that comes, um, I, I think there's some. And this is what it feels like to me, at least. They're 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 old school ways of of doing things. There are structures in the town of of in in sport that that need to be upgraded. Uh, the, the the model that's in place for coaching or club structure, at least in triathlon, is is a model of the 1990s and early 2000s. So. You know, we run a professional operation. We have a lot of coaches that this is what they do for a living. And um, and I think there's a need for that. So we're going we're gonna to deliver that need or swim, bike, yeah. and run. And we're going to deliver that with your husband, by the way. And yeah. Jason is going to be involved in it. And I'm looking forward to it because, by the way, and, and this is just not, I'm not saying this because I'm talking to you. Jason is a pretty unique guy. And Whenever I've called or we've had conversations, you ask Jason to do something, he gets it done yesterday. And that's a one, it's a rare quality. And two, he does it with enthusiasm too. So he's a no-nonsense guy. I like it. And um yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to teaching Jason so he's fully armed uh, and which will also give him a whole lot more. He already has confidence, but a whole lot more confidence uh with his coaching. It's going to be yeah. fun. So looking forward to it. Say a little bit about that. I know that's really, I'm excited too. Um, it's fun for the, uh, on the, you know, like the back side where I get to hear a little bit of the kind of things that are going on um, and that aren't in action yet necessarily. Like people don't have a, a pool to go swim at yet with Tower 26 and Santa Barbara. But, you know, if the, the old sleepy ways of this town, if people could just like kind of, respond to some stuff a little quicker or just, I don't know, it'll, it'll happen when it's supposed to happen, but I get to hear about some of those things. And one of the things that I've heard, especially just to give you some props is, um, the, the way that you've, you've pushed him a little bit more to see the value that gets brought from your group and how much, I mean, I, I hear it in your guys's podcasts. I saw it when I went down to the venture, a try is just like the camaraderie of the group and then just the I don't I don't want to call them shenanigans but there are some fun shenanigans that make it feel like a family and um like elevating each other one of our our missions when we did our row was to elevate each other's greatness and to see that in another person and to elevate it and not to not to let them fall short and I I see you do that with him as a um you know someone that's working with you and I also imagine that that's something that if anyone's working with any of the tower 26 coaches, that's something that's, that's built into the relationship. Well, it's a personal relationship, right? I mean, you're, you can be group coaching or you could be individual coaching, but it's still, it's a relationship and it ends up being personal. So me as the leader, the the founder, I mean, we have lots of coaches, Jim Lubinsky runs our triathlon program. He's in charge of that division. So Jason will deal more directly with Jim, but because of geography, Jason's going to deal a lot with work a lot closely with me. You know, we when we hire or bring on coaches or however they get engaged with us, no different than any employer-employee relationship. The more time the employer invests in the employee and invests that with real care and dedication, it's a better relationship that will last longer. And that there's nothing worse than having high turnover with with teachers, instructors, employees, because then you have to start all over again. 
So we have super low turnover within our organization because we invest a lot in the people that come to work with us. So, I mean, Jim's been working with me for, I don't even know, 10 years now, however long it's been, a long time. And uh, we don't lose coaches. There's one coach that left uh, at the beginning of the pandemic because he was actually uh, involved in the medical side of things and he had more a lot of work related to the pandemic so he said i just have to stop coaching i can't do it there's this i'm needed elsewhere something more important at that time but we don't lose coaches so there's there's a big investment in our coaches and um and then the coaches make those investments in the participants because our job is to help the person the, the participant the our customers do really well and along the way a tight community is built and some of our greatest friendships come out of this. Uh, oh. And with Jason in particular, I mean, some of the mentoring that's gone on has been actually financial mentoring because Jason's rates are low. I don't think Jason understands or recognizes the insane value that he provides. Well, I don't think his customers recognize it is actually what it is. The, the fee that Jason charges, the fees that he charges for his services are obscenely inexpensive relative to what others are charging in the industry, living in places whose standards of living are much lower than Santa Barbara. So he is over-delivering, doing greater than what other coaches are doing, and then charging less for for coaches and and participants in uh, economically lesser areas. So it's a double ding to him. Mm-hmm. Wonderful for the customer because you get to <laughs> right. you, you get to have the nine dollar hamburger uh, or the twenty dollar burger, which is kind of the going price now in Santa Barbara, wherever I go, it seems like right. They're, they're getting the twenty dollar burger for eight fifty, and mm-hmm. so why not take that all day long? But Jason has a family, he's got a wife, he's got a child, and he lives in, in Santa Barbara, so he should be at market rate. So Jason's yeah. going to come to work for us. I appreciate that we'll, you are. Yeah, I mean, well, I, so from a- from my lenses, I've been saying these things for a long time, but it's awesome to have it come from you and like you know, you and I. I feel like we only just met like really in person, maybe at this exact time last year when we were in Hawaii before um, right, right the race. Yeah, is um you know to to have someone that's I, I feel like for us coming from you know we've lived in Santa Barbara now for twelve thir- almost thirteen years and it's there's a lot of things that we love about this town. And one thing that I haven't found is, is a, well, I should say I've recently found and just happens to be someone that also lives in this town as someone um, from like a business mentorship standpoint, that's helped me kind of um, understand my worth and understand what I'm offering and understand what um, my potential really is. Cause sometimes it's like left to my own devices. I'm like, I'll just keep going down the same path. It's working, but like, it's it's only working to a point where I I can see that I'm I'm selling myself short at times, and so I'd love to know for you. It's coming, you know. Did you have someone that was like mentoring you? Someone that was giving you guidance through all the different business ventures and um, avenues you know, that I, you've gone? I think similar to Jason, who grew up in Indiana on a farm, right? Basically, and, and hard labor work and all the things he's told me about his upbringing. I grew up in a third world country where my dad worked 80 hours a week. He left school at 14 years old to go to work. And, and you, you got ahead by just working more and working harder. Well, that's one way, but it's also not the only way. And what comes out of that is this sort of grind away all day long. And, you know, we got the opportunity, both him, you, yourself, me, we got the opportunity to go to college and get educated. And, we have value to us. And in Jason's case, he's got now, I don't know exactly how many, 15 years of, of experience as a coach. I have 40 years. That has value to it, especially when you're good at what you do. So you have to put a price to that value and not give your services away. If you discount your own value, other people discount your value also. The customer discounts mm-hmm. your value. And... Um, and, and, and we've tested this so many times. When we run camps or clinics, you run a clinic and it's free, 30 people might sign up and 12 show up. Okay. You run a clinic and you charge a price, the majority show up because they paid. But because if you didn't charge and it's free, it doesn't have a value to it. So mm-hmm. we have to decide what our value is. The market has set a value for 
triathlon coaching, what Jason does. And he's, in this case, way underpriced. How did your specific question was regarding me? I decided, here's what I'm worth. I have a lot of experience and there was nobody else that, that, that there was a vacuum for knowledge that I had. I started swimming in open water at 10 years old and won lots of races throughout my career and became well known for it and and started coaching. started one of the first triathlon clubs in Los Angeles in 1983. I've been in the sport for a really long time and I've seen the evolution of the sport. I've got into the sport when there were no coaches. It's one of the first coaches. So we have a foundation behind us. Tower 26 has fantastic coaches and Jason, I'm proud that he's going to be involved with or is involved with us. It's mm-hmm. We're lucky. We're fortunate. He is too, but we are also. And the customer is going to benefit tremendously. Yeah. So um, last question on the like the business side of things is you've done a lot of things you've done. You've written a book, you've um, started magazines, you've started this, you've coached people all over the place and you've started this huge movement of open water swimming down in Santa Monica. What's your, like, how do you know, like what to move forward? You move now you're here in Santa Barbara creating this chapter here and it's, it's needed. Like, a lot of, I'll give you like a little backup to, to why I'm asking is like a lot of people will think like, oh, I, this would be great, but someone's already doing it. Or this would be great. Someone's already doing it. Or like, I don't know enough, or there, there's always something in the way, but I feel like one of my big things, especially with this, you know, podcast being called the messy progress podcast is to some of the stuff that we talked about is we don't, nobody sees the 10,000 hours of falling on our ass snowboarding. Nobody sees the, like I said, it's the start. I'm like, oh my God, my neck's so sore from snowboarding, but it could have been swimming because I haven't done it in a while or whatever it is. No one sees those things and we don't talk about those. Um, and they don't always get posted on social media. So people don't see all of the ways that we're kind of falling or failing forward. Um, but we also don't see all the things that we've tried and we're like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. So like, what's, how have you decided what to move forward? And um, like, how do you know that that's like the thing? Wonderful question. I don't know if I have the right answer. I could answer it for me. Uh, and mm-hmm, for you. It may not apply to many others. Entrepreneurs, which you are, Jason is, I am, okay? We're, we're, you, you are out working for yourself. You have to have a certain amount, to, to be successful at least, you have to have a certain amount of confidence, you have to know your product, and you have to be good at delivering your product, okay? And the customer has to feel that and, and really believe that they're getting value greater than what they're paying if you want to have a long-term customer. So if you think you can fulfill those needs and your product's outstanding and you're very good at your job and you're confident in what you do, you're going to be successful. It does require require some smarts. You do have to do some market analysis to see if there's a, is there really a market available for me where I'm living? Example, excuse me, you have your yoga studio. I don't know much about the Santa Barbara area with yoga studios, but let's say you decided five years ago, I wanted to open a yoga studio, but there were 72 of them within a, a five mile you know, geography all around. Well, you might then go, hmm, probably not good timing. No different than the mid to late 80s. Not a good idea to open a yogurt store then because there was one in every single corner and every single town across America. Probably not the right time. Top of the market, right? And then if you look around now, there's not a yogurt store in every corner because there was consolidation and then they, uh, you know, other things came around. So it's the same thing. You have to have some business savvy to you, business sensibilities in making decisions. You you did your homework and you opened a studio. For me, I have a sense of uh, when I was starting Tower 26, there was a great need for this education. As a former magazine owner and publisher, I know what good quality content is, and that that was non-existent in triathlon swimming. That's for sure. The information was being provided, although well-intended. I'm not suggesting that the, the folks writing the information or putting up blogs or being interviewed in articles on, those are the very beginning years of podcast, that they were intentionally misleading. They were just neophytes in the field that didn't have tremendous experience, or they were taking super competitive swimming and trying to apply it to the triathlon market, which doesn't work. 
So, and you know, at times I ask the question, would you hire Usain Bolt's coach to coach you the marathon of an Ironman? Well, the answer would be no. Well, why are we listening to the Olympic swimming coaches that are coaching athletes to swim a 50 meter freestyle to help you swim a 2.4 mile open water swim? It, it's literally night and day difference. So there's a need when I started Tower 26, a gaping need, which is hence why it grew so very quickly. And in Santa Barbara in particular, there's a need for it. There's no differentiated product in Santa Barbara uh, for triathlon swimming. There's master swimming and there's whatever else there is, but there's no there's no one doing what we're going to do here. So it's going to work. Yeah. And I love that you said that just exactly about um, we think of one sport, we think of swimming and it's swimming a 50 meter is very different than swimming 1500 meters even though they're both occurring in a pool right? <laughs> and different from, um, you know, last year, I loved the, the Santa Barbara triathlon had the, uh, um, I did the one mile swim and it was, oh, fun I remember that. It yes, th- yes. It was three loops and which was something different, something new, but that was something that, um, you would train differently for that than you would for just a straight one mile swim. And also having and by the way, what you talked to, yeah, go ahead. That shook up many people. It was there were many that were very upset with me. And I mean, I overheard and there were people that came, this is not how a one mile swim should be done. And there were some angry viewers or coaches. I didn't even know who many of them were. And not because something is being done that is disfamiliar to you means it's not good. It just means it's different. And but we we are we become familiar with just what we're familiar with and some of us can't get outside of ourselves to recognize wait a minute there's another way to do things too and maybe that's going to create some interest every single week you have your what is it on thursdays you've got your your night move your your uh, reef and run because beautiful event that goes on for 10 or 12 weeks on the day before you have the night moves another beautiful event that goes on for 10 or 12 weeks and it's the same every single week you got your mile swim that goes from a, a to b and it's done do you have 24 opportunities, 12 at each event, to do your mile swim? So we came along and did it differently. Does it mean it's wrong? No, it's not wrong. It's just different. Get over yourself. Yeah. I mean, and the same thing can go for any, let's say any business, really. You know, when you talked about um, me, if I was to have opened a yoga studio five years ago, what, what I would have looked at. And, you know, when I first moved to town, just to use your description of Santa Barbara being kind of a sleepy town, was there was no place I wanted to take yoga. It wasn't that yoga classes weren't being offered, but I didn't want to take any of them. And I wanted to create what I wanted to walk into myself as a, right. as a student, not just as someone that was, a, you know, creating a business. And so um, that shook things up. And I know people came to my classes and at times they're like, that's not, that's not yoga or, you know, they had their own expectation of what it should be. And yeah. um and yeah, like then you can, you can do that on your own or you can, you can go swim in the ocean. Anyone can by themselves. But I think what I like, what you, what you're creating too, is just like this movement of relationship of, um, expert, expert coaches of connection of camaraderie. Like I've seen it, even when the people from LA have come up to the Santa Barbara triathlon and the, the, the group that is here, um, connecting with each other. It's not surface level. And so kind of like what I was saying back when I first moved here and and even now is like, it takes something kind of as entrepreneurs, as leaders, and, you know, people who are listening is like, it takes something, you got to put your neck out of it. It's not just like, Oh, I'm going to take the safe route. It's I'm going to put myself out there and not everybody's going to like it. It's going to be messy. And people are going to tell me I'm doing something wrong. Well, there's your messy uh, podcast. Uh, uh, And and don't get me wrong, there's a sweetness, an extreme sweetness to this town. This is why we're living here for the last few years and we'll stay here. That sweet sleepiness is what many other towns need. So there's a beauty in that. There's an elegance to it, right? Uh, and the programs here that I've seen, they're wonderful. They're all very good. But it's like food. You can go to one Italian restaurant and it delivers you food from a certain certain region in Italy. You go to another Italian restaurant, it's still Italian food, but now this is with a Tuscan flavor, but it's still Italian food. And there would be some customers would want to 
have that type of Italian food. This is just another product. It's all it is. Another restaurant offering a service, what we're going to do, that will there'll be some customers that will say, or some users, athletes, well, you know, that's not really for me. I, I prefer to do things how I've done it. And then there'll be some who will go, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. That's very specific to what my demands are. And it's a great community and all the things that we're going to create. So it, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it's not to the, this one's good, that one's bad. They're all good. It's just the customer. Well, there's just something for everybody, yes. right? Yeah. And, you know, and I hear with you guys, you're bringing, there's, you're bringing like a new um, spark to, to something that, you know, you love. That's like the most important part of like the, um, you know, Jason coaching and, um, you being in town and being able to support. I remember like just to, I can think back to like several night moves ago when I remember, um, I didn't know you then, but I remember seeing like the tower 26 cap show up at night moves and kind of like, there was this desire, I think for, for me. And when I was like very big into the sport to have something like what was created down in Santa Monica to be up here. And, um, so, as as it's as it's starting in its infancy and as it's getting created, I'm I'm really excited as someone that's um, you know, I love living where we live. We get to go in the ocean every day if we want to. If we can go in the mountains every day if we want to, we can ride our bikes every day and um and not have that concern about traffic or stoplights even, you know, getting anywhere. And so to, you know, your point about where we live and 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 what's offered here, it's um it's, it's, it's offered to me in my, from my lens, like with more expertise, with, with, um, with an increase in passion and relationships for, um, for those that are interested. Right. It'll be a little different. It'll be good. You know, we provide, and I don't know what the number is now, but I, I remember a couple of years ago, I checked on it. I mean, we had delivered something like that point it was over 13 or 14,000 workouts with sessions that's called an individual sessions that were never missed a coach there was never a session where a coach or an instructor did not show up it's just not part of my ethos so that brings itself a certain amount of professionalism to it and i've been to trust me many sessions whether they're spinning classes or swimming workouts where the coach doesn't show up and Nobody stands up and fills in or somebody halfway stands up and fills in and it's a half-assed job. It's, that's not my product. We're, you yeah. know, so tell me, Jerry, where can, where can people find you? Where you're, you've got podcasts, you've got website. Tell me uh, Tower26.com. I mean, it's pretty simple. Tower26.com, not spelled out the words of 26, just the digits of 26. Tower26.com and our services are under there and we have our I have a book that I wrote in triathlon swimming, like you mentioned, and we have swim sessions, running sessions, biking sessions, one-on-one triathlon coaching, all of the above. Thank you for listening. If what you heard today lit you up in any way, please take the time to subscribe, like, and share the podcast with your friends. It'll help us reach more people in courageously and confidently rocking life. Make sure you follow me on Instagram to see the messy fun I'm up to at the Adrian Smith and check out my current wellness events and coaching programs on my website, alignedlivingnow.com. I look forward to being with you next week. Until then, get messy.